0: Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. So we want to come around the Word of God this morning. I've I've titled the message, strangely enough, Spiritual Awakening. And um, I've been stirred in my own heart and... um, I just want to kind of have a look at the scripture this morning. We'll continue on into the New Testament. But if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, a very well-known portion of God's word. 2 Kings chapter 4, and reading from verse 1. Father, before we read from your word, Father, I just do pray that, Lord, you uphold me this morning, Lord, and that, Lord, your name will be honored. That's all we ask, Lord. And that, Lord, every man and woman, boy and girl, that would hear these words would leave strengthened and encouraged in their faith. <clears throat> and they would go out, Lord, and, and, and do mighty accomplishments for you. That's our heart's desire this morning. We come together, Lord, corporately because you told us to, Lord. But we also know that when we are gathered together in your name, you're here in a particular dynamic. And uh, even, though for those who might be at the fringe, Lord, who feel not that they've been missed out in some way, Lord. I pray you will just gather them, gather them in their thoughts, in, in their heart today, Lord, and speak deeply into their own situation, that they will leave this house today fed and secure, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your, ma- your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow v- vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. And then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones so she went in from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son bring me another vessel and he said to her there is no other vessel so the oil ceased then she came and told the man of God and he said now go sell the oil pay your debt and you and your sons will live on the rest may God bless his word this morning amen It's believed that this portion of scripture is written about the prophet Obadiah who hid the the prophets from King Ahab. So Obadiah, this is the Jewish perspective, historically this is believed that this was his widow, his wife. And so Obadiah has died and so she's left in somewhat disappointment. Her husband, who was a prophet of God, had served the Lord and uh, now he's dead and she's left with two boys. She's left with debt uh, she was left in a very, very vulnerable situation. There's no welfare state back then. Let me tell you, the welfare state is only an invention of the last 70 years, if even that, maybe less than that. And so back in those days, you, you, were, you were a beggar, you, you, you had nothing. And so if there was any debt that was laden against your family house, the natural uh, order was at that time was that your children and yourself could for se- would for seven years have to work that debt off And so it's a type of slavery or indentured servitude existed as part of that sort of economy back then. And so, you know, you can imagine how this poor woman felt. You can imagine how destitute, how lonely, you know, I'm sure she loved and admired her husband. I'm sure she was on board with the vision that he was a man that declared the righteousness of God to the nation, that he believed in the gospel and the good news of God. And now, but she's now facing, you know, ruination. She's now facing destitution, she's homelessness, um, her children being taken and, and, and brought into slavery to pay off a debt, and she is at her wit's end. And so she comes to the prophet Elisha here, and, and so there's this, there's this despair, you can read it in there, and, 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 so, and sometimes even prophets begin to despair because, I, I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but pastors sometimes are in similar situations where people come and, and they have massive needs and uh, the prophet says, "What am I to do for you?" And I've often felt like that. I 've Steve is smiling because sometimes people come to us, and, and, and rightly we're ministers, and you have to come, and we will pray. But there's times where you feel absolutely uh, inept in, in the situation. You feel overwhelmed with the person's burden. You have your own burdens, your own family, your own issues going on, and then. And then this overwhelming burden comes upon him. And the prophet himself has no resources. I mean, he, he lived by faith all his life. Elisha was, people opened the door of his house and fed him one night and some else took him in another night and some less, you know, and, and that's the way he lived. He preached and he didn't live an ostentatious life. And actually, in fact, he suffered the people and lived uh, not above the means of the people. And, and so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Uh, I don't know about you. But I hear a little bit of panic there in him, but then I hear a settling because, you know, friends, we are not the source for people's lives. Say amen. Can you say amen? amen. We're not your source. Uh, God is your source. And uh, God is your helper and your strength, your very present help in trouble. And 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 so all preaching and all teaching is to bring us back to the point of true reality that God is your refuge and your strength. Amen. Your very present help in trouble. And I'm sure no sooner had Elisha said, "What can I do for you?" The word of the Lord touched his heart. The word of knowledge or wisdom came upon him, and uh, he says to her, "Tell me what you have in your house." And of course, you know, when you're under under the cautious, we say when you're when you're really up against rows a person sometimes you don't see what you have. Uh, Sometimes you don't understand the the incredible gifts that are already placed in you through the Holy Spirit. But she said, I have nothing in my house except a jar of oil. And of course, that immediately, we know where we're going this morning. But that immediately sparked something in Elisha's heart. You know, thank God, he knew. Straight away, he knew it wasn't, this wasn't right. The the story is not complete. This woman is saying she is nothing. Uh, And she's destitute. But she is less... Destitute than what she realizes, friends, and she is more rich than what she realizes, and, and so there has to come an awakening in this woman as to regards what she possesses. And so he's, she said, "I have nothing but a jar of oil." Now we we understand in the Bible the oil is a caricature for the Holy Spirit. You know, the oil coming down upon the beard of Aaron to the corners of his robes is a signature of the Holy Spirit coming upon the church. And so Elisha, when he hears that, I have nothing but oil, all of a sudden he comes alive. He becomes aware. There's an awakening in this man. My home is under attack. I've lost my husband. My children are astray. I've been in church all my life. Now I feel abandoned. God would say to you, what is in your house? And we're not talking about when you go back to the four walls of your apartment or your flat or whatever you have in your home. I'm talking about the house of your life, friends. Because for the Christian, the Bible says there's a treasure already put into the earth to invest. So we've heard that a number of times over the last few weeks. But I believe it's a moment for the church to begin to reawaken to the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside of every Christian. I believe that the Holy... forces that are coming against us the powers that are amassed in this world friends against the church of jesus christ are so powerful and so overwhelming in the natural and what's coming down the road friends no sooner have we got rid of a pandemic we're looking at the potential of major major conflict in this world you don't need me to tell you that the secular prophets are worried what i mean about secular prophets they're not spiritual they're just thinking up here and begin to see the natural realm and world that we are in beginning to fall apart. The fabrics of societies that have been built up over hundreds of years are now beginning to fray. And the foundations of these places are beginning to fall apart. But the psalmist says, what shall the righteous do when the foundations are gone? Well, we know what we do. We do what we always do because it says, God is in his temple. Amen. Amen. And he's never changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so for you and I, Christian, you know, worlds will come and go. Systems will rise and fall. Leaders will come and die, friends. But there is one who remains. His name is Jesus. And thanks be to God this morning, we don't hold on to a personality. We don't follow a president. We don't follow a world leader. We don't follow health experts or the scientific fraternity. We follow one who is the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen. Amen. Who said, I will never abandon you. And if you feel abandoned this morning, let me tell you it, it's a feeling, but it's not a fact. And Sometimes you need to separate your feeling from the reality. And this is a story here where God has begun to to show this woman you are better led than what you realize and you have more in the house than what you really understand. But it takes an awakening from God. You know, we talk about spiritual awakening. You know, we talk, this world needs a spiritual awakening. I think it was Pastor Carter recently Preached a message of spiritual awakening. Someone told me about it in our staff meeting. A powerful message. And I began to think about that spiritual awakening. You know, friends, we need to awaken to who it is that lives inside us. The awakening has to start in the house of God. I hope you can say amen from your hearts today. Because you are not orphaned. You are not abandoned. You may have lost a husband. You may have lost your health. But I want to tell you there's oil in the house. The oil of the Holy Spirit is inside you. The Apostle Paul, writing many, many years later to Timothy, he talks about stirring up that gift that is inside you. Stirring up the Holy Spirit. And if there's ever been a time in this world, friends, where men and women need to get back to basics, it's now... If there's ever been a time where you and I need to start praying again, praying in the Holy Ghost, seeking God's face, hearing with a spiritual ear to what the Spirit would say to the church. That's what John writes in Revelation. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking. Many of us have moved so far away from the moving of the Spirit. We've become... You know, our pet doctrines have taken over or our pet ex- expressions, and I 'm not against expression of worship, and I 'm certainly not against doctrine friends, but I want to tell you, it was never unhitch us from the power of God. This Christian life is not a difficult life. you've heard me saying it's an impossible life without the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that, friends, you can get so far on your doctrine. You can get so far on your disciplines. You can get so far on your own thinking and on your own strength. But there comes a time when the Bible says that young men will utterly faint. There comes a time when ideas will run out. There comes a time when all your thinking will fall to the ground. But there comes a moment of revelation. And God is, I hope today, starting something in my heart and in your heart that will get us to consider who it is that came into us at the point of salvation who it is that dwells inside in you today that you and I understand that there is a revelation of God fully God that comes to reside in the heart and in the life of every Christian man, woman, boy and girl and the Bible says that is the expression of God that God wants that light to be seen by this world and as she began to realize she got that oil and she began to pour it into other people a Christian that's not pouring out, friends, is going to run dry very quickly. And that's what's happened to much of modern or Western Christianity. It's become insular. It's about feed me. What can you do for me? Come to church and make sure I get the right sort of songs, or the right sort of mood. You know, and it has... Is, 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 and eventually ends up being dry and bankrupt, a consumer Christianity. And let's be honest, that's what's driven the Western church for the last 30, 40 years, from the prosperity movement to the faith movement, all about fattening ourselves in life, making ourselves a better you. What about making this world a better world? Amen. What about reaching men and women for God, the true heart of God? What about laying down your life for others? What about living this life for the glory of God and for the souls of men? What about turning around the very purpose of why we were brought in and elected to be the sons and daughters of the living God? And this woman ran on dry. She believed she went, but she went through a test, friends. I don't want to tell you, nobody, nobody in this world, none of us, friends, will avoid the times of testing. None of us will avoid times of distress and fear. We all were praying for Pastor Hamp as he went to the States that God would give him some quality time with his mom. He knew God was going to take her. We knew God was going to take her. There was no shock in that. But I want to tell you, friends, in the midst of disaster and death, God did a healing in his family. Amen. And God brought them together. They had times of worship and praise. I'm sure he'll tell you this story himself. But it was like, where death, where is thy sting and grave? Where is thy victory? Amen. Because you begin to drill down deeper when all these things are peeled away, when life and all the luster of life, all all the qualities of life don't mean the same to you anymore. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. He is the same today. And he is the same tomorrow. And he's the same for eternity, friends. He still loves you. He still loves this world. He is invested into you. He has invested his Holy Spirit into us. Amen. He loves us. He hasn't abandoned us. And you're not on your own. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Powers of darkness tremble when you walk the streets of Cork. You don't even know it, but they do. Because you don't realize. And may God give you an awakening to who it is that lives in you. May God give me a revelation of the absolute power because the excellency of the power is God. And if this world has any hope, it needs to see a real Christian. It needs to see a real church, friends. Men and women that have discovered the oil of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In first, Acts chapter 1. Jesus spoke to his disciples among the last words before he rose from the Olivet and went to heaven. He said, you must go to Jerusalem. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The word for power in the Greek is dunamis. It means dynamite. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. Ukrainians are looking for dynamite friends to fight their enemies. But I want to tell you, there's a greater power in this world. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. The power to be able to whisper in the ear of Mr. Putin and tell him bring his armies back. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, friends, prayer is powerful. The Holy Spirit is still God. And the Holy Spirit would have a church understand that when you came to him, he Fills you with the power of God. He filled you with the Holy Spirit. You didn't get a little bit of God. You got all of God. And there comes moments, crushing moments. Moments when your back's to the wall and you have no answers. Let me tell you, they're actually powerful moments because they're, they're the moments where you step into something very different. We saw it with Israel back in Reefedim number of days they're outside, they're out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, but they go to a place where there's no water and the people are complaining. I mean, it's, it's dry, it's arid, they're dying. They're, they're, the, the people are on the verge of dying from, from drought and their animals are dying and they begin to murmur and complain. We know it's, we, for them, it's a place called Mur, Murmurings. And they're, they're moaning, I don't know how, I'm sure you've never moaned to God about your lot in life. I'm sure you're far more virtuous than that. But I've many times moaned about mine in dry and difficult times. But it seems, friends, in those difficult moments, something, it's a make or break moment. And I think in history, in the world that we live in today, we are at a make or break moment. We are at a time where it's sink or swim. It's either go deeper, friends, or or, or go away, one of the two. It's either put the roots down deeper now and draw up the sustenance of heaven so that you can stand strong, that those roots of that tree will stand as a testimony to a world that needs to see a testimony. And in grief the them, of course, there's many moans and groans. But it's there where God met them with rivers of water. Hallelujah! And that's where God wants to meet you. And you shall receive power in the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter two. You see this incredible move that has never happened before in the history of man. Up to, it was the fulfillment of Joel chapter two, that in the end days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And we see this incredible move of God. This is the birth of the church now. Acts chapter 2, Jesus has died. He's risen to glory. And now they're 40 days later. They're in an upper room in Jerusalem. 120 people, the 12 apostles, and, uh, including 100 and whatever extras with them. And they're in a large upper room. And, and there's a bloodlust still in Jerusalem looking for them. The Jews haven't finished yet. They've crucified Jesus. But man, they're trying to lay waste to any testimony of Christ. And they understand that they're in a savage moment. Talking about armies looking for them. If they even got wind of where they were, they were going to be dragged out into the streets. It's heretics and stone to death. And they knew it. They knew the anger of the religious Jew of their time. But yet there is an obedience to the Spirit regardless of the trial and circumstances they're found in the presence of God, waiting upon God. And then in Acts chapter 2, a mighty rushing wind comes through the whole place and shook the building. And they all began to speak in tongues and uh, uh, speak in new tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And that was the birth of the Christian church. A church that was led by the Spirit, not just, not just a new covenant. New covenant, friends, is the foundation of everything, but it was hinged to the power of God. You are not just a doctrinal statement, you are hinged, hitched to the power of God. And that revelation has to come into the heart of every Christian. If there's going to be any hope for our nation and the nations of this world, the hope comes from a church that begins to realize and begins to awaken to the fact that you are not without friends. You are not poor. You are not poor. I've been to some of the poorest regions in the world and met some of the richest Christians, not by monetary value, not at all, friends, but that's not how God judges rich and poor. Let me tell you, I've met some super rich people and they're the most miserable beings that have ever walked on two feet. But I've met some people, friends, who've had nothing. Having two pennies to rub together. Having even a pair of shoes and yet the glory of God's upon them because they live by a different economy. They live by a different revelation. They don't live for the time. They don't live for time. They live for eternity. Amen. They don't see three score and ten as being, it's all about this. Friends, it's not. The older I get, the more, the more there's more time behind me than there's ahead of me. And I'm beginning to see that all the valuation systems that I thought I had right get tested. Because it's about something far greater, more powerful. Someone just talked to me recently. I was telling someone recently, there's only one thing better than going to heaven. It's taking somebody with you. Amen. Can you hear an Amen. And there's only one thing worse than going to hell. And listen to me, backslider. That's taking somebody with you. So if you want to go to hell, go to hell on your own. Don't take anybody with you. Don't have it on your conscience for eternity, amen. But God has elected you, the people of God, to be a living testimony. He's elected you for this time in history. He's brought you to this place. And you may say, oh, well, he's brought other people, but not me. No, no. Refuse that in the name of Jesus. God's hands upon you in the very moment that you begin to embrace that reality. And the reality isn't always that pleasant. You might be facing unemployment, you might be facing health issues, you might be in Ukraine listening this morning, or in another war-torn part of the world. And I want to tell you, it's much more, it's much bigger than this, friends. It's much bigger than just the physical realm around you. It's about the glory of God and coming into an awakening of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's writing to the, the, a church, the Corinthian church. If there, if there was ever a church in the Bible that was so similar to the churches of today, it's the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church is probably socially the closest type of church to the type of world, why? Because Corinth was a horrendous, immoral city. It was. It was very far from God. The Christians who got saved had a lot of issues. There, some of them are living in marriages they shouldn't be living together. They were living together outside of marriage, which is absolutely not the will of God. It's actually about breaking the commands of God. They're in all forms of there's all forms. Of, they're still drinking, still getting drunk, which is not the life for any Christian. Yet they're saved. So this this dichotomy that God moved into this this Corinthian to be known as a Corinthian was not flattering. A Corinthian was a whoremonger. It, it was a party goer, a hedonistic city, uh, you know, uh, and it was it was full of difficulties in the church, immorality, backbiting, strife, trouble. And yet the Apostle Paul founded that church. It gives me a, a lot of hope for all of our church's friends. This is the very Apostle that founded the church. He's writing to this church three years later after he's founded it. And there's all these issues going on in the church. But outside of all the issues going on, God didn't abandon this church. Hallelujah. Thank God he, he's not an American or an Irishman. In America, you've got a system, three strikes and you're out. And you could do 10 years or something in prison, something crazy. Some of the state, parts of the states, they have this. If you break the law three times, you do a mandatory, no matter what, and you do, can do a mandatory 10 years or life. It's someone I, I can't remember, but whether it's America, please, if you're American, I don't mean to insult you. What I'm trying to say is that thank God he's graceful. Amen. Amen. Thank God he doesn't deal with us according to our sins. And even in the midst of our failure, as with the Corinthian church, there was these moves of the Holy Spirit. Crazy, man. You, know, you and I would have walked in and said, oh, I don't know about this. You know, you know, there's a lot of carnality here, and there's a lot of flesh going on here. But yet, there was this move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, praise God! Amen. Isn't he, isn't he just amazing how He deals with us and how He treats us, and He understands that we're about we're just we're just. Clay, friends, made from the dust of the earth. Isn't it just wonderful how the Lord is so kind to you and I today that he doesn't deal with us according to our failures? Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. And so this, there has to come an awareness that, first of all, if you're not aware, Christian, that the Holy Spirit lives in you, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Bible says in the early chapters, chapter 3 of Corinthians, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. The power of God lives in you. And you should be expecting him to move in your life. If God is in you, then he wants to break out of you. Amen. He wants to break through the earthen vessel. He wants to bring to this world a healing hand, a touch from heaven. He wants words of wisdom to come out of you. Can you say amen? He wants words of knowledge to come through you. He wants great gifts of faith to come out of his body. The working of miracles, prophecy, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. And this is what the Apostle Paul began to talk. He began to speak into a church. Even with their issues, they were at least aware of who it was that lived in them. Oh, they had their issues, and there's no doubt about that. Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you ignorant. You know you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I will make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes in and he starts to bring order and direction and understanding to these manifestations that are happening in this Corinthian church among these Gentile people that, are, that were so far from God who've been brought into salvation and are seeing an explosion of the power of God. I tell you, friends, I thank God this morning that you and I, friends, there's hope for us, friends. Amen. If this church could move in the spiritual dynamic with all its warts and troubles and difficulties, there was so much awfulness going on there. There was incest going on in this church. There was rebellion going on in this church. Paul had to write into all of it and deal with all of it. But it didn't stop the Holy Spirit. It doesn't stop the Holy Spirit. As he is gentle, he's also formidable. Can you say amen? He doesn't turn away from you and I. That's old covenant. God would turn away, but in the new covenant, I will never. Jeremiah 32, I will never take my eye off you. Hallelujah. And so in the midst of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Paul begins to talk to them. There's diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There's difference of ministries, but the same Lord. And there's diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all For to one is given the word of wisdom to the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge to the same Spirit, to another faith, to another uh, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all of these things work for the upbuilding of the body. And so, as I was. Asking the Lord, and I've taught of Corinthians 12 many times. So I try to at least get here once a year with our church. First of all, to understand that the Holy Spirit is in the house. Second thing, to understand that there's gifts of the Holy Spirit available. And thirdly, that we are encouraged to stir up that gifts and begin to seek the better gifts. And if we are going to meet the challenges... And if you are going to try to meet the challenges of what you're up against today on the power of your own mind only and on on your own education, or on your own smarts, you're not going to get very far. This life was never meant to be a life that was driven by the flesh. It was a life that was to be led by the Spirit. It's those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Spiritual gifts. Pneumaticus in the Greek. That's a Greek word to talk about the, the wind and the power of the Spirit. you know the wind's still blowing, friends? The Holy Spirit is still God. God can touch the deepest parts of your life. And the gifts of the Spirit is where we get the word charismatic from. Charisma. You know, there's gifts available today. And much of the church is ignorant of it. Much of the church has since, well, we did that a few years ago. Oh, that was needed back then. We got... The covenant of grace, we got great worship, we got media. Well, let's see how far the media and great worship is going to get us. Because I want to tell you, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And you and I need to come back again to the Word of God and start to seek a pattern for our lives that we have neglected. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, how shall you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? We should never, ever unhitch this from the grace of God. This is the grace of God, friends. The grace of God to you and to me, to be able to meet the challenges that are insurmountable. And some of you today are in no man's land. Some of you are in despair of life. Some of you have given up the fight because you feel that life is so disappointed me. This woman could have felt the same. I'm so disappointed with this whole Christian business. My kids have gone astray and I've got nothing. But the Bible says the treasure is within you. The Holy Spirit is there. He wants to fill you again. He wants to manifest his power in your life. And there needs to come a seeking and a believing God for everything that the scriptures have. We are a full gospel church. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm a little ashamed to say I don't see enough of it in my own life, but I'm hungering for it. I'm asking for it. I'm not putting it off the cards. It's not a secondary issue or a secondary doctrine for me now. I want to tell you, if you are going to face what you're going to have to face, you face it in the power of the Spirit. Otherwise, you fall at the first level. Paul talks about these gifts and puts order in the gifts want to know what's important gifts in there because there is words of wisdom, which is not that you're always wise. It means you get a wisdom that doesn't come from you, it comes from the Holy Spirit. Who needs that today? Instead of being a wise guy all the time and everything says, says, you need a word of wisdom. The word wisdom is Sophia in the Greek. It means the wisdom that governs your faith. Who needs wisdom? Sometimes you need to have the wisdom to know when To and when not to. Amen. Sometimes you need a wisdom that is not constructed from a good thinking because you lay down in your pillow at night and you worked it out in your head how you're going to do it. That's your wisdom. Man's wisdom will never bring about the righteousness of God, neither will man's anger, friends, but it's a wisdom from heaven. So he talks about this wisdom. And then he talks about knowledge, a word of knowledge. Now remember, these are seasons. Word is word. That doesn't mean you're always knowledgeable, it doesn't mean you're always wise. It means to live as a Christian. When you're in binding situations, God can give you a wisdom that's above the natural wisdom around you, a wisdom that is far beyond your pay grade, amen, that you know it came from God. It's the same with the word of, of knowledge, that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can drop into you something that you cannot know in the natural. It comes from the Holy Spirit. <coughs> We see it operate even, even in the Old Testament with Elisha when he told the secrets of the king of Syria. We see it with Ananias and Sapphira when the Apostle Peter called out the contract, the, the, the the contradiction in their life. We see it when the Apostle Paul, when he's struck blind and led, led away, Ananias is given a word of knowledge about Paul. He would no way of knowing about Paul, where Paul was. Yet the Spirit told him he's in such and such a place, in such and such a house, and his name is Paul. And this man gets this supernatural knowledge, and he goes there. He lays hands on the Apostle Paul, restores his eyesight, and as a result, we got 13 New Testament books that he gave to us. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. <coughs> Who needs that word of knowledge, friends? Who needs to begin to seek God for that? Gifts of faith. Again, it's like every, every gift is a gift for a situation. I'll tell you, friends, we're going to need gifts of faith. Can you say amen? amen. We're going to need a supernatural empowering. You know, to be, you know, I think one of the most powerful areas of the gifts of faith, and it's it's quite diverse, and I'm not doing a comprehensive teaching on it this morning. I just want to alert you to the reality that these are here. These are the, the quiver of God. These are hours that are available that you should seek. You should ask for, because when you ask, you shall receive, Jesus said. But the area of faith, and I think one of the most important areas, is when it gets so difficult to believe that You stand. I see with Paul and Silas in in Philippi in that jail when the lashes are upon their back and they're broken and they're bloodied friends. The gift of faith to be able to believe God when everything in your body is breaking down. Have you ever met men and women like that? You say, that person has got great faith. Amen. Oh, they don't have much, but they have an unshakable faith in God. Not just faith to see the supernatural, and that's awesome, but to be able to stand when everything's taken. Why well, I wonder what, what, was, what was Job's greatest faith when he had all his sons and daughters and all his wealth, or when everything was taken, that he had an unshakable faith in the justice and goodness of God. They, these are supernatural giftings that God wants to endow his body with. He wants you and I to walk in them. Gifts of healing, oh God. And again, it's not that someone has the gift of healing that you go along, plonk, 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 heal, healed you. It's gifts for each circumstance that men and women say can seek the face of God and God can give a moment in time where you will lay your hands and your prayer of faith and the laying on of hands will see the supernatural come to pass, friends. Well, I want to tell you, it hasn't ended It may have moved away from these regions of the world to other unreachable parts of the world, but it is still the economy of God. It's still God's will for you and I to seek the power of God to move in the miraculous. You know, I believe with all my heart that we're going to see more of this as we come towards the end times. When education systems begin to break down, when financial structures fall apart, when food shortages come in, when health begins to Slip away and people can't quite get to you. When all the great structures that we have around it, who needs God? We've got a great health system. Who needs God? We've got a great social welfare system. Who needs God? I've got a big bank balance. I can work my way through, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Don't make me wrong, but I'm telling you, when the skid row comes, When the difficult times come, it's going to need men and women of the spirit, friends, that can lay hold of healings for us, that can lay hold of words of knowledge, words of wisdom, friends, gifts of faith. Don't be ignorant of who lives inside you, what he has. The working of miracles to another prophecy. Prophecy in the Bible is not just foretelling the future, what's going to happen. That is probably 10% of all prophecy that we read in the Bible, if even that. Most of it is speaking the word of God under the anointing. It's like a preaching. Oh my God. To have men and women, not just pastors at pulpits, but to go to the workplace, the school place, and manifest and speak when you speak the word of God. It has an authority upon it so that it touches the very hearts of men and women. That you, in a sense, are prophetic in what you say to people because you're being animated by the Spirit that you're speaking. And I want to tell you friends, this is something that all of us need to come back to. This is not just for you. This Corinthian church, with all its difficulties, with all its problems, was beginning to manifest these incredible moves of the Spirit. And then he talks, he says there's different kinds of tongues. And then there's interpretations of tongues, and there's speaking in tongues. And he goes on to talk about the order that in the church. And I began to think of my own life, I speak in tongues, but I've I'm becoming less and less invested in the gifts that God has given me. How many of you who are filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, reach for that gift in time of trouble? How many of us try to figure our way through when the Bible says it is, it is those who are led by the Spirit of God? And so when you find yourself in your home and the walls are closing in around you, and you feel disappointed and you feel you have nothing. Let me tell you, that is just not true. Because the Holy Spirit, who's resident in you, has every one of these gifts. That means they're resident in you as well. They don't come from you, but they can come through you because he lives in you. And then the Apostle Paul, in chapter 14, he talks about desiring the best of these gifts. The best, he talks about discerning of spirits. He, there's so many, nine and gifts of the Spirit here. You begin to, and then in Romans 12, there's another seven ministry gifts you can read there as well. And friends, the reason I'm saying is because we have, it has fallen dormant in the Western church, in the, the charisma, the gifts. There was a movement many years ago, and the doctrinalist ones nearly died, nearly killed it because it wasn't completely correct. The charismatic renewal. I was a great fan of it. Many will disagree. Not that I endorsed all of it. No, friends, there was a lot of flesh. There was a lot of mixture. There was a lot of strange thinking going through. But undeniably, men and women were coming into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Men and women were beginning to speak in tongues. Men and women were opening up the scriptures again. Men and women were praying in faith for healing. And God was beginning to heal. Just like the Corinthian church had a lot of problems going on. But I want to tell you, friends, I'd rather have a move in the Spirit and all the problems than have everybody having their doctrine right, sitting proper, and having no power of God. Oh, be adventurous, Christian. Come before the Lord and begin to say to God, the Holy Spirit lives in me. The hour demands a church that would rise up in your power. I'll be that man. I'll be that woman by your grace, by by your kindness, God. I'll seek you for these gifts. I'll seek you for a manifestation of your spirit. I want to tell you, without that, it's only Groundhog Day. Without that, it's the same. We'll be back here next week and we thank God For his patience, amen. Because God doesn't run out of time. But we can waste a lot of time between now and the grave. When are we going to go to a place where we have exhausted our own thinking, where we have exhausted our own strengths, and say, it's just not enough? I need a supernatural move of God in my life. It's not enough. Our technologies are not enough. Our wonderful worship is not enough. Our kids' programs are not enough. Our coffees and teas, which are beautiful, are not enough. What we need is a move of the Holy Spirit. And we need to wake up. That's what the awakening means. Wake up to who it is that lives in you. And if you wake up, O oh sleeper, and cast off your slumber, and begin to raise your eyes to the Word of God today and say, this is historically correct and it has worked. It'll work again for you and it'll work again for me. Oh, God, help us. Help us to start speaking in tongues again, singing in tongues again, that what prophecies will come true for our lives, eh? interpretations, that the body of Christ will be built up. In Thessalonians 1, the Apostle Paul says, Do not quench the spirit or despise prophecies in 1st timothy four, fourteen 14 says do not neglect the gift that is within you but stir it up and in jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-four it says this no longer will they teach their neighbors say to one another know the lord <clears throat> because they will all know me from the least to the greatest see that's what the holy spirit wants to do Short-circuit your learning abilities and connect you to the power of God. Amen. So whether your education is low or high, it doesn't matter what your social strata is or where you come from. <laughs> you no longer need anything other than that leading of the Spirit. Yes. Romans eight fourteen says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That means you're coming into a maturity of your faith. John 16, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes upon you, he will guide you into all truth. I prayed this morning that if you find yourself as you, if you are, you're probably there many. If not, you will be. My life's a mess. My kids are delinquent. My husband seems to be so spiritually dead, it'll take an earthquake to wake him up. Then I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is in the house and you give what you know of him, you begin to employ. If you're filled with the Spirit, start to speak in tongues again. Amen. Amen. Begin to exercise the gifts of the Spirit in your own personal life first. Begin to exercise it. Get up in the morning and start to pray in tongues. If your mind is unfruitful, begin to pray in the Spirit. Open up the heavens, amen. Cut through the powers of darkness in your own flesh and begin to speak in the Spirit when things become so heavy for you and so burdensome for you, don't try to pray an intellectual, it's good to have an intellectual prayer, don't get me wrong, but the ones that really make power, the ones that really dent the situations are those prayers of the Spirit. Begin to pray in the Spirit. Oh, ye beloved, building up yourselves and your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Jude writes that to us. And so begin to speak in tongues. If you're a Christian and you're not speaking in tongues, let me tell you, it is the gift that God has for you. It's the gift that's going to ignite you into other gifts. Begin to seek the Lord because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Every Christian has the ability to speak in tongues. Every Christian. Because God lives inside you. Now there needs to be that embracing saying, yes, Lord. And there needs to be that openness to that out of your innermost being with those rivers of living water. So this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Begin to speak to yourselves. The Bible says in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Start to live spiritually. Let it be natural to you, not contrived. Let it be something that's not just a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night experience for you, but it's an everyday experience for you. Let it be said of you that you are like a one-man, one-woman church. Wherever you are, you commune with God and you bring the life of God and the power of God. Begin to manifest, begin to pray with people in the workplace. When they talk about sickness, they will say, I'll get my pastor to pray for you. He probably won't get around to it anyhow, but you can pray for them. Holy Spirit lives in you. You can lay your hands on them. You can cry out to God with the same spirit that cries, Abba, Father, and make intercession. And after you've done it a hundred times, you might see a hundred and one time, you might see your first miracle. Do I hear amen? Amen. Maybe you're 200 times of laying hands on someone. You see your first healing then you begin to see, as I begin to exercise with God, as I begin to step into, as I begin to employ, as I begin to trust, then the Holy Spirit begins to honor your faith, and it begins to move in an extraordinary way in your life. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.